You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I've heard it uh, a time or two. And I, I get the sentiment behind it. When I hear that, I, I try to explain to people there's uh, a little bit of truth in that. Going and sitting in your garage does not make you a car <laughs> or a truck, if you'd rather be a truck. But the trouble with uh, that statement is that the church is a part of God's plan, uh, that God loves his church. And what we see after the resurrection and then after the ascension, uh, God's plan for us, God's plan for the world, is to send the Holy Spirit uh, upon his people and to establish his church. And, and so the trouble with that kind of, that kind of thinking is that if, if you're going to be a part of God's plan, you will be a part of God's church. Uh, if you like Jesus, uh, you, will, you will like his church, right? You'll, you'll learn to love what Jesus loves. You'll, be, you'll learn to be a part of what Jesus wanted you to be a part of. You see, the church was, was Jesus' plan. We often forget that. And I, I want to show you this, and we actually kind of touched on this several weeks back when we were trying to figure out who Jesus was. Uh, but Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and this is before he's about to go to the cross, and he's explaining to his disciples, he says, here's the thing, like, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die. And as he's, he's traveling with his disciples, he's traveling through a region, um, and they don't necessarily believe, even in the Jewish Messiah, uh, but he turns to his disciples, and he asks his disciples, he says, who do you think I am? Um, he just finished asking them who he thought the world, who they thought everybody else thought he was, and he's going to ask the disciples, who do you think I am? And they answered, um, when they were talking about everybody else's view about Jesus, they basically said, yeah, Jesus is a good person. They, b people believe that you're a good person, Jesus, or you're a prophet, kind of like other prophets who have come before you. And so as he turns to his disciples, he's kind of looking to hear, like, what do you believe about me? And one of his disciples named Peter, named Peter he speaks up, and this is what he says. I want to read it to you. It's in Matthew 16. It's in your notes as well. Um, so let me turn there. Here's what Peter uh, said to Jesus. He said, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn it from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, there are a few things here that I want to point out to you. Uh, as Jesus here, as he, he affirms Peter and his proclamation of Jesus being the Messiah, what he says he's going to do through Peter, this is before Jesus dies, he tells Peter this, he says, I will build my church. Now, there are a few things that I just want us to see here when Jesus is talking about the church. The first is this, is that when Jesus talks about the church, he says, it's whose church? It's Jesus' church, right? It's Jesus' church. You belong to Jesus. Collectively, we belong to Jesus. 
When we come together, we are Jesus' church. This building, this place, belongs to Jesus. Uh, Some of you have been a part of our movement for quite a while now. Maybe you were even born into what we call the the Church of God. It's a movement of churches. And one of the things uh, that we have emphasized throughout our history is that the church belongs to God. That is why we have this very generic name, or used to have this very generic name, and have this very generic name as a movement called the Church of God. Uh, It's just basically what we see the church being called in the Scripture, and it, it gives possession to God of the church, because the church belongs to God. Jesus himself, when he talks about the church, and when we see the apostles talking about the church, Jesus shows that he loves the church by the way he talks about the church. In the New Testament, the church is called the Bride of Christ. And what we are told is that Jesus has laid down his life for his bride. And so Jesus loves the church so much that he died for the church. Not just for us individually, but also for us collectively. Um, And and so when we see Jesus, when we talk about the church, what we are talking about is something that Jesus planned, uh, something that Jesus loved, and something that ultimately belongs to Jesus. Secondly, what we see here when it comes to being a part of the church, what makes you a true member of God's church is this confession that Peter makes, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Your faith and your proclamation in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as Him as your Lord and Savior is actually what makes you a church. And this is why I, I tell people, like, coming to church is, doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. It is evidence of it, but it doesn't make you a Christian in the same way that sitting in a garage does not make you a car. What makes you a Christian and a part and a true member of the church is this proclamation here. Now, you are welcome to come and to be with us, and actually, we want you here, even if you're ready to make this proclamation or not. Um, but, but the truth is, you'll always feel, feel a little odd, or, or you won't really know like, why we make all the decisions we make. Because all the decisions that we hope to make as a part of this, this body, uh, uh, this part of this fellowship, is based on this idea that Jesus is Lord and a belief that, that Jesus' character is reflected in Scripture. And so as we go to the Scriptures, that is how we hope to make all the decisions in the life of the church and in our lives individually. Third, what you can see here is where all of this comes from. Jesus tells Peter, he said, Peter, uh, you, 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 didn't, you don't know this on your own. Like, you didn't come to this conclusion by yourself. But rather, God, God revealed this to you. Like, God has placed the faith in you and given you the ability even to make the proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord here. And so when we think about becoming a, a part of the church and we, think, when we see here how Jesus has left the Holy Spirit with us, what we know is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does as he enters into our lives and into our hearts is that he is going to then launch us and inspire us and compel us to be a part of God's church here. Fourth, or let me back up here. Just I just want to remind you here what, what the actual word church means in the New Testament. It means called out. So it's ecclesia. Um, 
Ecclesia, depending on your, how you want to, your Greek dialect there. Uh, but basically it means that you're going to be called out. And so this is what the Holy Spirit does. He both calls you out and calls you to be a part of the body. So fourth, here's what Jesus wants to do with his church. Here's Jesus' plan for his church. His plan is to build it. His, his plan is to add to it. So here's the big, big thing, uh, kind of just looking at this text here. It, is that God's plan is the church. Uh, God's plan for the world is the church. And God wants to use you, people in the church, also to, to build the church. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at what the church isn't and what the church is. Um, and I've taken some of this outline from a, a pastor named Kyle Eidemann, uh, down in Louisville, Kentucky. I really like some of what he has to say, and some of these examples are just things that I've used uh, throughout time and, and I've stole from other people as well. But we're going to be looking at a text, and it's in Acts 2.42, um, and it's through verses 47 here. And uh, this is like the ideal church. This is like the, the, the perfect church here, and what, who we really just hope to be as a church um, and as a body of believers. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to define what the church isn't, and then I'm going to define what the church is as we work our way down through this message this morning. And so the first uh, thing that I want you to know about the church is that the church isn't a movie theater. Uh, the church isn't a movie theater. And so my wife and I, we don't get to go to the movies very often uh, with two little ones um, and, and one on the way, uh, but occasionally we get to go to the movies. My wife really enjoy, enjoys movies, so it, it's nice to get to go together. Um, but one of the things that we typically do after we, we leave a movie, we start to ask questions like, hey, what did you think about that movie? Uh, what did you think uh, about the actor? Uh, what do you think about the writing? Um, and uh, then we start to like, we kind of criticize it a little bit, or we just say, hey, it was awesome, you're right? It's like a lot of things were blown up. I'm all for it. Um, if it wasn't, I'm usually left like that was really boring. Uh, and it, it's not very difficult for me uh, to, to criticize a movie and to evaluate a, a, a movie that way because the, the truth is, is that I really don't have like any skin in the game in any movie for the most part as far as I'm concerned. Like it's, it's just there to entertain me and if it doesn't entertain me, like, well, I've wasted 20 bucks if I went to the movie theater, 40 if I bought popcorn, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not devoted to the, the, the success of any movie. The church, however, can kind of feel like a movie theater at times to us. And, and we sometimes will respond uh, to our services in the same way that we will respond to, to going to the movies. And so, like, if here are some questions that you might be asking yourself on the way out that are kind of similar to going to the movie theater, right? Well, what did you think of the worship team this morning? Like, how do you think they, like, hit those notes? Or did they sing the songs that I hoped, or were they too loud, right? Did they, were they expressive? Were they expressive, were they too expressive? All of those sorts of things. Well, what did you think of the pastor? Did he make sense? Right? That's probably a good thing to ask every once in a while. Um, was he funny? Was he too funny? Was he not funny enough? Uh, did, he, he, did he affirm me? Uh, all, you know, these sorts of questions. Um, we ask ourselves sometimes as we leave the church. 
And the truth is, however, um, is that when we leave the church, we, we really shouldn't be evaluating what everybody else did at the church um, when we come, but rather we should be evaluating ourselves. Um, we see this here in Acts 2.42, and here's what the people were devoted to here in the early church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And so what I want you to see here, as the people went and as the people fellowshiped together, uh, what we see is that they were devoted to these things. It, it doesn't say that the, the leaders uh, were devoted to the apostles' teaching, or just the leaders, I should say, were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which so is this time right now when we're opening up the scriptures together, or to the fellowship. Uh, this is a devotion to one another here, or to the breaking of bread. This can be meals together. This could be the Lord's Supper, or to the prayers. But rather, they themselves were, were devoted together. Uh, and so when we think of the church not being a movie theater, here's how I, I think we should see the church and see ourselves in the church. Here's what the church is. The church is a group that participates in worship. Uh, the, group, the, the church is a group that participates in worship. And so when we leave a worship service, right, like our questions should be different than what did you think of the worship team or what did you think of the worship this morning or what did you think of the sermon this morning? And I get it. I, I, I ask, I'll ask Emily that question, you know, here in a little while. Hey, what do you think of the sermon? Um, but, but rather, it, it should be more like this. Did I give my best in worship this morning? Or uh, did I love on somebody in our fellowship this morning? Uh, or how about this? Uh, did I receive God's word with an open heart this morning? Did I, did I pray with Pastor Doug this morning when he was praying for our congregation and our missionaries and for us to receive uh, what God has for us? Did, did, I, did I come and did I leave with an attitude wanting to glorify God in, in my worship? Yeah. And if you notice here, it uh, doesn't say anything about actually singing. And, and, right? If you're not a singer, right, just take it in. Just take it in. There, we are encouraged, actually, in the New Testament to sing. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, uh, sing the psalms, the hymns, and all the spiritual psalms, uh, songs uh, that are singing. He says, be full of the Holy Spirit while you do all of that. Uh, but, this I, but the idea here is that we are supposed to participate in, and I know some of you, you may be thinking, like, well, well, Josh, like, I've, I've come to church to, to really just kind of have an experience or just kind of take everything in. Like, I just want to come to kind of absorb what's, what's going on. I just want to have an experience with God. Well, let me show you what takes place in verse 43 if you participate. Uh, it says, And all came upon every soul. Get that? So they're, they're participating in worship. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The big idea here is, is that the more you give to God, the more of God you are going to get when you arrive here on Sunday mornings. The more you give to God, the more of God you are going to get. This is how we experience God's power. It's through our participation in the worship of Him. And so I just want to encourage everybody, right, when you come to church and as you come to fellowship with one another, uh, come to participate. Come to love on one another. Come to worship. 
come to receive God's word with an open heart and an open mind. Because that's what the church is. Second thing that the church is not is it's not full of consumers. The church is not full of consumers. Now, I say the church is not full of consumers because kind of by our very nature, right, when we are trying to figure out if we're going to be uh, part of a certain body of believers, like we're, we're going to be looking like for certain things in a, in a church. We just are. Uh, but at, at some point in time, you have to, you have to kind of move out of, out of being a consumer. Uh, Kyle Eidemann, in, his, in a sermon, um, he, uh, he actually says that we are kind of consumers in two different ways when it comes to the church. Uh, we either kind of treat the church like a retail store. Um, and as we go to a retail store, uh, we pretty much just kind of are always just kind of shopping around in a particular place. And if, uh, if we, get, we get tired or we get um, discouraged because it's, it doesn't have necessarily what we're looking for, like we're always kind of ready to just go to another store. Uh, the second way we can kind of become um, consumers is we can treat the church like a restaurant. And so as a restaurant, uh, you go to a restaurant, and a nice restaurant, you're going to hope that you are provided good service, that you're able to sit down and servers are going to come and they're going to provide you with a meal and hopefully cold water and keep your glass full and all of these sorts of things. And so you are there only really to be served and then your, your tip and your money and all of those things are really going to be based on the type of service that is provided to you. Uh, the, the, the trouble with this is that the church is not a retail store nor is it a restaurant. It's, it's something very different than that. Verse four, in verse 44, we see the early church uh, behaving like this, and it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any who had need. Now, in a retail, retail store, here's the thing. Like, you are going to go to get, right? But when you come to church, you come to give, is what we see these people here doing as well. When you go to a restaurant, you are going to be served. But when you come to a church, you are actually, as you grow, you're, you're coming to serve. You're coming to be a part of what they are doing. And so we might say it positively like this, the church is full of contributors. The church is full of contributors. Um, think of it as a healthy family. Uh, one of the songs, if you guys have kind of grown up, in our movement, you, you probably have sung before, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, right? Uh, the truth is, in a healthy family, like, everybody contributes, right? Unless you're like mine, and you, everybody's still toddler and under, and then it's just like, they destroy the house, and you, yeah, you know what it's like at this age. But at, at some point in time, at some point in time, uh, they are going to be expected to contribute to the family. In the ancient family, it was, it, was, it was like this, and so we see the Bible talking about the church being like the family of God. Children are actually considered a blessing for this reason in the scriptures because they believe that they are going to be participants in the family, and in good families, like, everybody has different roles that they fulfill, and so one person might mow the grass, the other person might help clean the yard, the other person might help um, vacuum, and, and so forth. You, you get the point. This is what happens in a, a good family. Everybody contributes. Well, the church is like that, and in fact, um, when we see Paul and other people talking about the church, 
uh, what we see going on is Paul saying everybody has a role as you make up the body, as you make up the family. And God has uniquely gifted people so that everybody is equipped to participate and to help one another out. In fact, what he says is that uh, everybody has a spiritual gift. For some, you might have the spiritual gift of leadership, and, and so if, if that's your gift, if you are gifted in that way, what is actually expected of you and what God hopes for you is that you will lead. If you are a good teacher, right, if you have the gift of teaching, well, what God hopes for you and what we hope for you is that you will find an outlet to teach. If, um, if you're very hospitable, like if, if, I should say that in this way, if you are good with hospitality, um, yeah, that, yeah, if, <laughs> if you are good with hospitality, all right, God wants you to greet people. Like, God wants you to make people feel welcome while they are here. If you are good at giving, right? Do you know that giving is a spiritual gift? Right? Like everybody is called to give, but like giving, and everybody's called to do all of these things, right? Like even if like you're an angry person, like you are called to be nice to people in the church, okay? Um, but like some people are just better at some of these things, and so you are, you are given, right? You, there's like this expectation really from the Lord that you will use your gift. And, and so like if if you are a giver, like, and God just blesses you when you give, and you love to give, like, God, what, what God wants you to do is, like, he wants you to continue to give. Uh, so, God has put us in this family to do all these things. If you're handy, build things. I heard one pastor put it like this, like, he tells his church this. He says, if you see a need, fill it, right? If you see, if you see a hurt in the church, heal it. Uh, and that would be really cool for us. I mean, we're, we're, we are a church like that for the most part. Um, but, right, maybe that's just something for you to remember. Like, if you see a need, fill it. If you see a hurt, heal it. Right. So the church is full of contributors. Uh, the church, thirdly, though, is not a gas station. The church is not a gas station. Uh, now, gas stations are good. I'm glad we have gas stations. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, every once in a while, my car runs out of gas. And uh, so I stop by the gas station to get refueled. Uh, otherwise, I would have to walk everywhere or ride my bike everywhere, and I would probably be tired all the time and never get anywhere on time. Um, but uh, um, here's the problem uh, with gas stations, is that we only go when we need refueled. Like, we, we only go when we're running on empty. And so many of us are running on empty. Uh, and, and, and people are actually forgetting to go to church and no longer going to church even to be refilled. Um, do you realize, like, when I talk about the goodness of a gas station here, um, God has, has organized in the, ch the church in such a way that you will be refueled when you go. Or we hope this is what happens when you come to the church. Like, like, God will inspire you. He will refuel you. He's going to equip you. Uh, God has actually wired you uh, to, to take a Sabbath, to come and to worship Him. And, and so all of, that is, all of that is really good. But God also wants this to be something that happens regularly. Uh, we have gotten really busy in our society, and um, with all, everything there is to do, um, we are more stressed and depressed. 
uh, if you look at all the studies, than we probably have ever been, um, or at least we have been in the, very, in the near future in a very long time. And um, most studies will also tell you that those who attend church on a regular basis are less uh, stressed and depressed than those who don't. And so the church is a good refueling station, right, if it's done with some regularity here. Um, but the problem of thinking, though, uh, that the church is just a gas station or like a gas station is, is this, is that you don't, you just go to a gas station kind of to be refueled, maybe pumped up, maybe motivated uh, to maybe take the next step or for the next day. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I've, I've rarely, if ever, gone into a gas station and kind of done two things. One is to ask them, where should I go? I've never gone to a gas station and just say, hey, I, have, I don't know where I'm going. Um, attendant, would you tell me where I should go? Anybody ever ask the attendant where they should go? Right. Um, and then after they tell you where to go, um, then you ask, okay, I need directions to get there. Right. So we, don't just, we just don't do that at gas stations. We just go to get filled up, and then we leave, and we go off on our own, and we do whatever we wanted to do and go wherever we want to go and get there the way our GPS tells us to or the way that we think is better, um, and we take off. On the other hand, um, the church is not a gas station, but rather being a part of the church is a lifestyle. And so this is fundamentally different than just treating the church as a gas station. Uh, we see this in verse 46. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking breads in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And so we see those uh, in the church who are a part of this church uh, attending the church and meeting together with some regularity. Now, the reason I believe that they are meeting with regularity uh, is because regularity shows priority. Think about that for a moment. Uh, regularity and priority go hand in hand. Uh, you're, you send your kids to school every day uh, regularly. Why? Because it's a priority to you, it's a priority to them, uh, that they are educated. Uh, you get up and go to work uh, five, probably five times, maybe more, a week. Uh, so you do it with regularity. Why? Because work is important to you, or at least putting food on the table and a roof over your head is important to you, and, and work is necessary uh, for that. Uh, if your health is um, something that's important to you, you probably go to the gym uh, maybe three to four times a week, and you do it with regularity because it's a priority to you. And so what we see here is the, the people are meeting regularly because it's a priority to them. And, and my question, I guess, for us all is if you were to apply this litmus test uh, to your meeting uh, together or to your um, devotion to being a part of the church, right? Uh, how would you do? Right? Uh, maybe you could think of it this way. What does it take for you to miss work? Like, what has to happen in your life uh, for you to miss a day at work? Or, or, or maybe like with your kids, what does it hap even hap what is it what has to happen for your children uh, to miss a baseball game that they're involved in? Now, what has to happen for them to miss church? Regularity 
shows priority here, right? The, the church to these people is it's a lifestyle. Uh, one of the things that they did here, I just want to point out too, is they met in homes. Now, one of the reasons they met in homes, because you saw in the video, is they actually get kicked out of the synagogues. Uh, so they had no other place to go to worship. Uh, but I, I also want to point out here that, that meeting in homes, and this is not necessary, like you don't have to meet at home. You can meet here at the church uh, occasionally. This is why, this is one of the reasons that we have this building. But one of the things that goes on in homes is like the real you comes out. Like, like people get to see People get to see, like, where you live, how you live. Uh, they get to see, like, your real life. Uh, and not that they're, they're coming to judge or not that you want them to see how great you are or great you aren't. Uh, but for all of us, I don't know about you, but, like, um, this, is, this isn't, like, the nicest shirt I own, but this is a pretty nice shirt. It's not super wrinkly. Um, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't come to church a mess, uh, typically, and neither do any of you. In fact, some of you probably strolled in here with your kids or family members that you just, or your wife or your husband that you just had a fight with, right? And now you're smiling as you, as you come in here um, and acting like you don't have any problems. Uh, you don't need anybody to fix anything. You don't need to work through anything. And one of the things that sitting in somebody's living room does, it actually helps you to be a little more real with one another. And, and that's one of our goals uh, as, as a church. And you can do this with your family. You can do this with our groups. Um, this is one of our goals, is just for your, your faith to be real. Uh, and meeting together helps that as we come and encourage one another. Uh, the last thing I want to tell you that the church isn't is the church isn't a perfect community. Uh, it can be really discouraging to read through uh, Acts 2, 42 through, through 47 and just go like, I, I've never been to that church, Right? Um, or, you know, I just want to give up because I don't see that this exists perfectly. And the truth is that it doesn't. Um, we see this at the very beginning of Acts. After this, we never see this really again. We see pieces of it here or there. In fact, the rest of the Bible is written to just a bunch of broken churches, a bunch of broken people that are trying to get it right, that are striving for this. And so I just want you to know, like, it, we are called to strive for this. This is what we are called to strive to be, who we're supposed to be, who we want to be here when we, we talk about what the church is. Um, and, and the truth is, is that this is not a perfect community. Uh, we hope to be more perfect with the help of Christ here. Uh, but I'm always reminded, too, of what Billy Graham used to tell people uh, when people were looking for a church. He said, he said, be careful when you find the perfect church. He said, because when you do, here's what I'm going to want you to do. I want you to leave before you mess it up. Right? The truth is, like, we're, we're, this, this is why the church is never perfect, because we're a part of it. Right? Your church isn't perfect that you attend because I'm your pastor. Right? I mean, it's just the truth. Right? It's, it's true. Ask my wife. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. God still plans to build his church. He does. God still plans to build his church. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord, what did he do? The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. God wants to add to his church. He does. And just take a moment, like right now, look around. Look around. Look beside you. Right? All right. Some of you are sitting in, and there's like a couple of pews here that only have like one person in them. The ones up front have no one right now. Um, 
Maybe says something about me. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, is like there's room. We, we, there's room in this place uh, for more people. Right? There, I, I promise you, too, there, there are a lot of other churches in Talmadge. Uh, they're, they're able to look around, and they're able to do the same thing. Uh, there's, there's room in those congregations for people. And, and God, st- God wants to add people to his church. He does. But here, here I do believe that there's a secret to this and that we do see it in Acts 2.42 uh, through 47 and that part of that and the way he does that is that those in the community see something. They, they, do, they see commitment. They see commitment by the people who are in the church and the people who are a part of it. Uh, and, and that's what it takes here. If, if we want to see the church adding to our, our numbers, and if we want to see people getting saved, the, the truth is, is that like, we have to desire that. We have to want that. We have to be committed to that. Uh, Jesus tells Peter, he says, here's the truth. He, see, he says, the, the gates of hell, are not, they're not going to overcome my church. Uh, the truth is, is that the church is never going to com- be completely destroyed. Right? Uh, all the numbers show that, show that the church in the United States is declining. Uh, that's not necessarily true around the world. Right? The church can die in the United States, all right, and grow somewhere else, but God is going to continue to build his church. The question for us is just always do we want to be a part of the building of God's church, right? Do we want to commit to that? Do we want to love what God loves, and do we want to invite other people to be a part of that? And so uh, when we think about the gates of hell never overcoming God's church, one of the things that we can actually, it can actually happen to is that we can actually almost just think that we're under attack, in which we are because Satan ha- hates God's church. Satan hates what God loves. Uh, but the truth is, is like we can't go on defense, that we have to go on offense. And so when we look at being the church and what we're striving for, like we have to strive to be these things that are spelled out for us in Scripture. Because what Satan wants is for people to believe that the church is ir- irrelevant. Uh, what Satan wants is for you to start to grow apathetic about his church and, and to say things like, I can be a Christian, right, but not really go to church. Or I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. Be careful not to fall into that trap. It's a really easy trap to fall into right now. And Satan would love for the church to become irrelevant. But rather, we have to be intent on making this a lifestyle. Now, the cool thing about our church, I just want to celebrate some, a few things here before I kind of wrap up, is, is that many of you, you're doing it, and you believe this. I hear about um, what you're doing at your work, uh, how you get to talk about Jesus with your friends. Um, our church, we're not a huge church, but we have, we have 16 different growth groups meeting at any different time in any different place, which is a really cool thing. Um, we have, uh, when we talk about sharing and uh, feeding the hungry, this past year, over this next year, we'll have fed over 6,000 families in the Akron area working with the local food bank. And I'm going to have um, the Breckmacher share here soon. But we are about to add another food pantry in Akron. It's going to be really cool. And so God is using our church to have things in common and share with those who have need. I believe that the spirit of worship is growing in this place. 
Um, I'm going to have Pastor Mindy come up here in a second. Our children's ministry is growing, and it seems to be thriving. It's really awesome. Fifth quarter, right? You guys have heard about that, but we had over 220 uh, kids here this past week um, at fifth quarter. Uh, 49 of them have never been in our church before, so I believe that gets our number up to, um, I think, uh, almost 500 people uh, who have never been or who are not attenders of our church have been in our church on Friday nights, and we have been serving them over the past four weeks. So that's, that's just awesome. That is awesome. But here's the goal of our church. The goal of our church is always to get people to come and have this profession of faith that, that, that Jesus is Lord. It, that's, that's what it means to be the church, and that's who we want to be. Um, before I have Pastor Mindy come, because Pastor Mindy is going to give us a quick update on how we're doing at the children's ministry, uh, with the children's ministry and encourage us um, and pray over our offering. Uh, here's what, here's a portion of your offering today is actually going to go to another Christian in need um, here in the local area. I got a text message yesterday, and um, it was a group text, and a young person in our high school, uh, their, uh, their family had fallen on hard times, and their electric was shut off, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you grew up like this. I don't know what it would be like as a high schooler and having your electric um, shut off and just kind of knowing that your parents just aren't where they need to be or hope to be financially. I, I don't know what that's like. I can't imagine that that's easy. And this young lady, she's a believer. She's a part of the church, not our church, but she's a part of the church. And so, um, basically, they were asking for some funds to help this family out. And uh, I told them, yes, we're going we're gonna to help this family out. We're going to help encourage this young lady um, who uh, loves the Lord and loves serving people in her high school and has actually led people in her high school to the Lord. And so, part of your offering this morning is going to go to that as we seek to be a church that shares all things in common. Um, Pastor Mindy, would you share about our children's ministry and just pray over us this morning um, before we take our tithes and offerings? Absolutely. I'd love to share and let you know what's happening. This summer, our numbers were a little low. Just everybody was going on vacation. All kinds of things were happening. But last week, we went from about um, averaging about 16 kids to we had 30 kids with us last week and it was really exciting to see all the faces I had been missing and everybody coming in and uh, we've had some new families that have been um, looking to join and, and have been coming back and it's just wonderful to see uh, that all growing and coming together so thank you for all of those that have served in that ministry uh, but if you're out there today and thinking I would really like to be a part of that I'd love to work with the students and uh, either share with them weekly just let me know, because there is room for you if you want to serve in that area. So I'm so glad that I can share that God is adding to our numbers in the children's department. Let's go to the Lord in, in prayer and bless our offerings today. Lord, we thank you for everything you have done. We thank you that we have a church that is yours. Not this building, but all the believers throughout the world. We thank you that you have built this church for us that we may love you and serve you. We ask right now that as we serve you through giving back so that that church can be built bigger and, and stronger through financial means, we thank you that we have this opportunity to worship you in that manner. We ask for your blessing on this um, offering, not just because we can serve you with it, but where it is going this time, Lord. We ask for um, a blessing on that family and just touch them in this situation. 
We thank you for all you're doing, how you are adding to our numbers. Help us to have bravery as we speak to our friends and our family and increase uh, your kingdom today. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.